Hey, what's up, guys? Christian Van Buren here, co-founder of Ripple Effect Fatherhood. Um, I am excited for this interview. Uh, this is actually the first time that we have a father and son both on our uh, interview today. I was going to say show, but we'll call it interview for now until we actually have some kind of set up where we look like a show. But um, no, I'm, I'm super excited for this interview. I think you guys are definitely going to get a lot out of um, the perspective that these two gentlemen are going to bring to fatherhood. Um, just to give you guys a little background info, uh, Casey, uh, and he'll introduce himself. I, I worked with him in corrections, um, but I got to learn a lot about him as a man um, and as his uh, as him as a leader as well, because he served uh, in the military. And so I have a great deal of respect for him. Um, but with that being said, I without I just met his dad today, but I can tell you that I know that a lot of the respect that I get from what I learned about Casey, I can tell you that it just I, something told me already that hey he he I'm sure he had a really great male role uh, role model in his life, and so um, I learned that obviously you know that person was his dad, um, and so with that being said, gentlemen, go ahead and introduce yourselves. Uh, my name is Carol Casey. I am uh, Ross's dad. Uh, I work in um, biomedical sciences. Due to retire soon, I'm, I'm 71, and uh, we'll see what life holds after that. I'm going to play with my grandkids more, maybe. So, Love it. Love it. And then Mr. Casey. Hi, uh, I'm Ross Casey. Uh, I worked in uh, law enforcement corrections with Van here. Uh, for quite some time. Uh, did that for 14 years and then politics got involved and now I don't do that anymore. <laughs> well, hey guys, this is Mr. So for, for the sake of the interview, guys, I'm going to call Ross Casey, who's the son, and I'm going to call Mr. Casey, who's the dad. I'm going to call him Carol. Okay. So Carol's dad, Casey's the son. All right, guys. Um, but hey, I'm excited about this interview. Like I said, you guys, I, I, I pray that you guys get a lot from it, a lot of great value. Because uh, like I told you, like I say over and over, we're trying to highlight the positives of fatherhood through dialogue with just fathers, right? Like fathers who are filling that role um, and, and who have something positive to say about their experience in it. Um, so, all right, Carol, so I'll start with you. And uh, first question is this, um, you know, what does fatherhood mean to you? Well, it, it's kind of a sliding scale. You know, when you first start out as a father, uh, your basic role is protection because they're pretty helpless. In fact, I mentioned earlier, we didn't have Ross until I was 30. And um, it was... Um, an interesting experience to be 30, but you start out protecting. I mean, that's it. You feed them, you clothe them. Uh, you basically stare at them a lot because they don't do a lot. And then there's a sliding scale all the way up to that point in time in their life where you let them go. Um, I, I learned a lot from um, um, some, some people that I used to listen to quite a bit uh, and uh, focus on the family. And they talk about, you start out with holding them tightly in your fist. And then over 16, 17, 18 years, you let them go. Now, the whole time there, Ross is bending my fingers back because he wanted to be let go pretty quick. He was always pretty independent. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of a sliding scale. You protect. Uh, there's also a lot of this. You realize they watch you all the time. I mean, that's one of my first recollections of Ross is, when he was just born, I got to spend two or three days in the hospital with him and I would hold him. And if you know Ross, he's got these piercing eyes. I mean, there are these dark eyes that just, and that he had them when he was born too. And he would just stare at me. And I'm thinking, okay, I gotta, I gotta be on my best behavior from now on. Uh, he's gonna suck up everything uh, and, and learn the good, the bad, and the ugly of my life. So it kind of changes you a little bit because you've got someone watching you all the time. Man, I love so that. that's fatherhood. Fatherhood is a process. It starts with holding them close and it winds up letting them go. And if you don't do the first part or the last part right, you mess up their lives. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. I love that. Holding close and letting go. Protector and sliding skill. Those are the those are the things that I definitely uh definitely wanted to highlight out of your answer. I love that answer. All right, Casey. What does fatherhood mean to you, brother? Now, mine mine seems to be a little more formulaic for the most part, but uh, it's. I saw a movie at one point. I think it had like Vince Vaughn in it. I don't know what it was, but it it was the best way to to sum it up, in like one phrase was. Dad's the one who drives when everyone else is too tired. Mm. And I've always liked using that. Uh, but as far as formulaic, I kind of, I, I like to break things down in like levels. Okay. Uh, level one would be provide. Okay. Level two would be try and teach them something. And level three is provide more. And then like he was talking about how he, he that we want to get away as soon as possible. Uh, I, I found that kids, as they get older, they just try and get themselves killed. Just more and more and more. They try and find more ways to try. Like I, I, I jumped off the house with an umbrella because I thought that would work, and it it did work enough to where I didn't break anything. But right. things like that, uh, it. It's the kind of stuff that, that I, I don't tell dad this stuff that, that hey, guess what I did today? Not, not that kind of stuff. Uh, right. He's learning more about it as, as I'm getting older. Like, oh, by the way, this one time I let the horses out and then I rode one. But uh, <laughs> provide, teach, provide more and protect, I guess. Not really any particular order for the most part, but uh, I did learn there's a lot more sacrifice than I really thought there was. Mm, that's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, and it's funny. Because I would hate it if my kids were in choir like I was with it, with him. I would hate to have to give up a few nights of <laughs> to go to a choir concert. Like, they were uh, great. We enjoyed like, them. Yeah. But you, you had things. I'm sure there was other things you wanted to do <laughs> besides listen to the same choir songs over and over again. <laughs> but no, I tell you I tell you what, though, one thing that I have learned, um, and actually it's funny because like our, our interview previous to this one, one thing that was highlighted most was that an important part of fatherhood is the time that you get to spend with your young ones, right? So uh, our interview before this one was with a, uh, a gentleman who I served with who, you know, he was a boxer, um, and now he gets to coach his son in boxing. And one thing that we brought up was like, hey, like, even if your son wasn't boxing, if you wanted to play football or something like that, like you would still enjoy that time. Even if it's something that you're not passionate about, the fact that he likes to box is just icing on the cake. Right. Um, but it's just that time, right. Something that, and I, we, 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 we have an Instagram page where we uh, post weekly and I think, uh, or we post daily. And I think Thursday's post, we posted a word. Uh, the word was priceless. And, and one thing that we all know is priceless is time because you can't you can't go back in time. You can't, you know, buy back time. And so that time at those choir practices, I'm sure just being there and having your son close, you know, I'm sure that was uh, sure that was very important. You know what I mean? Um, so, no, I love that. I love those answers. That's that's definitely well, watching Ross. I mean, he had a, a few solos in his time, too. Okay. And sitting out in the audience and hearing your son sing. You no, know I could sing. Did you, Van? I did yeah, not. I knew you could sing. No, not you, Van. Uh, I didn't, I didn't sing of, for people to work. You kind of, you know, it, it gets you when you see things like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I believe it. I believe it. That's just, that's a, I, I, I mean, I, I can't, I can't relate. I try to sing, right? My wife will tell you I try. Okay. But uh, I'm not the greatest at it. However, I do know that um, when I, when, when I hear, some when I hear good singing, like you said, you just feel something, uh, and I, I can only imagine the feeling that you know when it's when With it's your son. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, so. I give you give you one more example. I'm going to steal some of his time. Okay. It was one choir concert, and Ross. It was the one at Covington, and we went, and he was in the choir. I didn't have solos, but I had just had a really terrible day at work. I knew that the next day we were going to lay off eighty percent of the people in the company, hmm. and I wasn't sure if I was going to be one of them. So I went to the concert thinking. I really don't want to be here. 
but within two or three minutes of being in the concert, it kind of comes back to, you know what, this is important. That's really not. I'll get by that. This is something I need to remember. So you know, I have to, over the time period of, of having your kids at home, you figure out what you see in them is so much more important. Um, what was it? Barbara Bush said, uh, when you die, you're not going to be laying there going, boy, I wish I could have accomplished some more at work. You're going to be thinking about the time she spent with your kids and your grandkids and people like that. So what's important are things like choir concerts or going to swim meets with your daughter or wrestling with your other son, which I know nothing about. So, yeah, yeah. no, that's, uh, that's powerful time, uh, in your relationships. Um, and, 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 uh, before we get into the next question, I definitely just want to highlight, uh, for anybody listening, you know, um, I'll never, I'm not, I'm not certified to give, I'm not a life coach or anything like that. However, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to say, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm old and experienced and wise. However, one thing that I have learned recently is, you know, it's important to sit back and maybe write out your priorities because it's so easy for us to get caught up in the things going on around us, work, uh, school, um, taxes, you know what I mean? Like stuff that we, that does affect us in some way or another. However, um, I'm not saying to neglect those things, but if you allow those things to, I guess, steal valuable time from your relationships, especially with your kids um, or your family for that matter. Um, you know, I guess that's just one thing that I've been focusing on in my life is, you know, you know, not bringing work home or not walking into the house on the phone, right? Especially when my son's like right there smiling, you know, waiting to see me. I, I, I try to make sure I put that phone in my pocket before I walk in. So I'm glad that you brought that up because that's something that I try to remind myself of daily. Like, hey, I'm gonna go through this day and I have to, I do have to work, right? I do have to do this and do, I do have responsibilities. However, like my son is the first priority. My wife is the first priority. And then once I, if, if I know those things are good and I know I, you know, I'm spending time, then I can worry about the other stuff, right? Because those other things will, they'll be there for, for me to worry about, right? So um, no, that's, that's, that's great. Um, okay, cool. So Carol, um, question for you. Describe the emotions you felt when you first <laughs> learned you would become a father compared to your emotions of being an experienced father now. Wow. Um, some terror, you know, there was, uh, I was just finishing up graduate. No, it was year after a couple years after graduate school, uh, relief, happiness. Um, it took us two or three years to, once we started trying to, to get pregnant and that was difficult mm. when you think it's one of those things that you, you've tried not to do for 10 years and all of a sudden you're trying and it's just not working out. So a certain amount of relief that okay finally and then just the gross. complete uh what gross <laughs> keep going <laughs> you gotta try man you gotta try <laughs> um, now I, and, and again when i first found out i was going to be a father but then i would also say when we brought him home because mm -hmm. really the pregnancy is like okay it's coming it's coming and you don't realize it's real Mm -hmm. until you've got that little baby and he's laying on the bed in your house. And again, like I said, I'm 30. My wife is, would be 28. And we were sitting there going, we have no idea what we're doing. And uh, it was kind of terrifying and, and amazing at the same time. So, man, I love that. Now, let me ask you, uh, what about after all these years of experience as a father? Like, I guess, I don't know if that's like, well, yeah, like how would you how would you say your emotions have changed, I guess? Because obviously there's not much terror there now, right? No, as you get older, one of the things I read about, I can't remember who said it, was it's like one of the things about getting old, not much scares you anymore mm -hmm. uh, because you've kind of seen it all, mm -hmm. you know? Um, the things that you talked about 40 years ago, uh, we used to joke that, you know, with Ross, he was so intelligent we thought, and he was so dadgum pushing the envelope all the time. We thought he's going to do great things, mm -hmm. but is he going to be doing great things in jail 
Mm. And we found out, you know, we find out later, well, yeah, he is. It's just that he's going to be on the other side of the bars. There you go. I love that. <clears throat> I love that. But uh, uh, it's really kind of cool to know something because now my daughter just adopted a five-year-old and a four-year-old and having them around mm -hmm. uh, and hearing conversations of my daughter calling my wife and worried about, and she said, no, no, here's what you do. And if you've been through it once already and you've seen, you've made the mistakes, you've had some successes, you're not really afraid of anything any, anymore. You're more comfortable with it. Now, doesn't mean that you're not apprehensive because you're also, I mean, and this is looking not just at your kids, but your grandkids. Mm -hmm. I also realize they're not my responsibility. Mm -hmm. uh, Laura and Justin are Ross's responsibility. Uh, William and Levi are Caitlin and Tyler's responsibility. Mm -hmm. and um, uh, you pray for them, uh, you do anything you can to help, mm -hmm. and then you get out of the way. Man, that's, that's great. I, uh, you gave me more than what I expected out of that question, so. He usually does. For that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was, that's great, um, and I know that's going to bless somebody for sure. Um, great, okay, so Casey, Question for you, brother. Um, describe the happiest moment you have experienced as a father. And if there's more than one, feel free to share. The one that I think ticks the most boxes has <laughs> got to be cutting Alora's cord. And like the uh -huh. moment she came out kind of thing. Like she came out and screamed at me. And I was like, oh, oh, this is what love is. <laughs> oh i would kill for her okay cool i get it now oh that's oh no oh no oh no what have i done oh no and she's your uh, first she's my first laura's your first okay gotcha gotcha uh, yeah didn't involve as much trying as dad apparently it just kind of happened yeah yeah <laughs> no i mean i can relate i can relate <laughs> yeah that uh that that definitely was uh because that was a busy weekend because <laughs> uh we got married on the 11th. Okay. I started work at Wilco mm -hmm. on the 12th. Gotcha. <laughs> and at the end of my first shift, uh, Sergeant Easter uh, was like, hey, who, 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 who's, who's Cassie? <laughs> That's me. Uh, yeah, 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 it's your wife. I'm like, oh, okay. What do you mean you think your water broke? <laughs> Go home, Casey. Wow. Okay. Wow. Uh, so that was a busy weekend. Like the, yeah. the next, so it was, got married, <laughs> uh, started Wilco career and yep. then had a baby the next day. Okay. But, uh, you know, no, when she came out, it was definitely, it was, a, uh, it was, it was a pretty neat moment. Yeah. Uh, not as neat as, as the boy, he came out, uh, dead basically. And then <laughs> I had to revive him. Okay. And I was, I was just trying to figure out how I was going to fix my wife after that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so one was definitely more enjoyable than the other one. Uh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that, 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 would, that would definitely be a, a big box ticker for me. Man, that's amazing. And I can relate to like my, my experience. Cause my son, he's uh, he'll be six months, February 28th. Right. So, but I can remember, I mean, obviously it wasn't that long ago, but I can remember it like it was yesterday. Like as <clears throat> while she was pregnant, like of course i loved them and you know it's different. I, I was excited it's, it's different for us exactly like once they come out especially if they come out crying because once he came out crying i was instantly like how do i protect him right both of you guys you that. <laughs> exactly like what like what can i do to make him feel better you yep. know what i mean um and so that feeling of when they first come out it's like it's, it's crazy, but also, Carol, something that I wanted to kind of touch on in your <clears throat> last question is once you get them home, like that was even, that was even, uh, that made it even more real, like you mentioned, because now it's like, you like when you're at the hospital, it's like, okay, you got the help of the nurses and you got help all around you. But when you get yeah. home, it's like, this is a person that I'm completely responsible for now. Yep. 
what am I doing? How did I get here? You know what I mean? Um, you but think it's a, you're ready and you're not anywhere near being ready. Not so, no, no, you, you're absolutely not ready. No, yeah. I, I, I remember Alora was the snow bringer. Uh, so, and she came out with jaundice. Okay. So there was no sun. It was like, oh, just take her out in the sunlight. I mean, it, I've been here for three days. There's no sun. Yeah. Uh, but we finally got to take her home and we got there and I, I guess they had cleaned our apartment uh, probably on the first day expecting us to be home. And then we didn't come home for like three days. Like, uh, Georgetown shut down and mm-hmm. I couldn't, we could, I couldn't even get food. Mm. And the only respite we got was uh, they came and took the baby for a minute and me and my wife got to go to Chili's. Yeah. And we got there and we sat in the booth and we just, we just sort of maniacally laughing for no reason. And the waitress was like, are y'all okay? We just had a baby. Can you please bring us some food? <laughs> but we got home. And the apartment was clean and we sat her on the bed and we just sat there and we're like, I'm like, Katie, what, what do we do now? She's like, I don't know. I'm just as new as you are. Call the nurse. <laughs> it was something like, yeah, basically. Because yeah. uh, uh, like, luckily they, they just sleep and eat there for a while. Right. See, you, you say that, but that was when. Uh, and cry. Yet no one had told me or Katie that if you're breastfeeding and you get a fever, you're no longer breastfeeding. You're just giving water, basically. Oh wow! And uh, I hadn't, I didn't know this. Yeah. And uh, so she, Katie, got sick, and then for whatever reason, Alora was just crying. Yeah. And I think she cried for about two days. Wow. Uh, and that was when I, I actually had learned for the first time that postpartum was a real thing. Yeah. I, I didn't really think it was, but she was just looking at it. Like, I think I'm gonna throw out the window. I'm like, oh, okay, uh, I'll I'll take that. And yeah, yeah, I yeah. just went to the other room, <clears throat> and I yeah. sat down on the couch, and she's just screaming at me. And I got the phone, and I'm like, Mom. <laughs> and they were, I think they were about seven minutes away, and they got there in four. <laughs> Mom comes straight in, goes, ignores me, goes straight for Laura, puts a bottle in her mouth. She stops crying, and goes to sleep within like 30 seconds. Mm. and he came out he didn't make it up the stairs near as fast as she did i think he came in maybe 30 seconds later yeah like on the third floor and bad knees yeah i'm just i'm just looking at her and i see dad walk in and i just started crying Mm. i was just exhausted and he just gave me a hug and left with they took the baby yeah they took the baby and they they didn't ask me they just took the baby yeah and uh so it it, it, you, you don't know what you're in for yeah because you can't teach someone everything. Right. Uh, it took me at least three or four tries to get changing a diaper right. Yeah. Oh, come on. That's easy. <laughs> she was so tiny. I thought I was going to break her. <laughs> she, that she fit in my baseball cap. Oh, wow. Okay. That's she was, she wasn't premature. Yeah. But preemie clothes were Just big on her. Yeah. She was that oh, small. She, I think wow. she weighed like six pounds. Gotcha. And you had disposable diapers. You had it easy. <laughs> When we had you, we had cloth diapers and microwaves hadn't been invented yet. So just oh, man. <laughs> Shoot. Well, no, that's uh that's definitely, yeah, that's an experience that I'm sure every time I talk about it will be different for everybody. But no, I love that. All right, awesome. All right, Mr. Carroll. In what ways do you think that your role as a father positively affected Casey's preparedness? For his career in the military <laughs> real quick before you answer uh just so everybody knows uh casey was in the marine corps you did how much uh, how long did you do eight years eight years in the marine corps um and just just for the sake because i know you're gonna i i feel like this is gonna be a, a, i already know it's gonna be a great answer but with that being said um you you, you spent some time overseas we won't get into that but i just want to put that out there like uh, Casey spent some time overseas, but the reason I bring that up is because, um, you know, if you've been overseas, you, you realize that you, you develop a certain, well, for one, it, it, it just, it's different, right? You develop a certain, uh, you, d- you develop some traits, leadership traits, character traits from being in a certain environment. Um, but I want to know how Carol, you feel that your role as a father affected him or positively affected his preparedness for what he'd experienced, even though both of y'all didn't know for sure he'd experienced that. 
Well, first of all, keep in mind that neither one of us wanted him to go into the Marine Corps or the military. And that's because we didn't think his personality really fitted the military. I mean, he was <clears throat> out there. He was, he talks, he's a smart aleck. He takes chances. He doesn't really follow anybody's lead except his own. He does, he's not much of a follower. He's more of a, if I can't lead, I'm going to do it by myself. Mm. And, uh, and I can remember, especially his mom. I mean, the recruiter was scared to death of her. Mm. Uh, he didn't even <clears throat> like, he had to come over a house at one point, but, um, I did one thing right, and that's I talked him into going in as a reservist, not as a regular Marine, which means you only, if you hate it, you only hate it for uh, a weekend every month and two weeks every year, which mm -hmm. I still think was a good thing for him to do. Mm -hmm. But if anything else, and this is kind of what I learned from my dad, I learned from my dad, he was a hard worker. My dad grew up in the depression, uh, in the Despo, in a farm in West Texas, uh, was in the military in World War II, ran his own business for 40, 50 years, started it from scratch, and he worked hard. Mm. And he was in construction, so we worked with him. So he actually taught us how to work. I wasn't able to have my kids working with me because of the field I was in, but I, I'm hoping that some of my hard work led him to work hard at things. And if you're going to go into the Marine Corps, you're going to work hard mm -hmm. um, and to finish. Um, you want to teach your kids how to finish well. And my dad was that way. He always finished well. If he started something, he finished it. And, and to be quite honest, you know, Ross was the lucky one in the family. He got to know both his grandfathers. Uh, Kathy's dad was uh, a, a, uh, a uh, Halliburton guy. Now, when he was growing up, he was a cowboy and he would ride ponies all day. And then he was a Halliburton guy working the war field. He was this tough little German guy that worked hard. Okay. And uh, when Ross Jim hit, he retired. And then dad um, would be out at the farm and Ross would spend time with him there. So I'm thinking, you know, some of that rubbed off on him, not only from me, but also from his grandfathers, which I think was also a really good thing. So I would say, Hopefully he got the idea that you show up, you stay till you're done and you finish. Um, I hope that, I, I would think that served him well in the Marine Corps, but I gotta tell you though, having no experience in the military, um, I didn't know what to tell him. He knew, he knew to get in really good shape. He knew to get ready for it. Um, but then the letters we got home after he started boot camp. He had no idea what he was getting involved in. <laughs> Do any of us going to wear a boot camp? <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I remember sitting, uh, I remember getting on the plane and I was just like, I, I didn't even know what to think. I was like, did I, did I really just, what am I doing? You know, yeah, I, I, I've never been on a plane before. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, here's the thing about that answer. Um, I definitely want to make sure that, like, I really like that answer first, but I, I definitely want to make sure I highlight um, the importance of a, a good work ethic, which is definitely what I got out of your answer is, is you know, because at some point in our lives, right, whether you are a son or a daughter, um, you know, you're going to find yourself having to work hard at something, right? And so having that example um, and with that being said, I didn't know Casey in the military. However, I knew him at the jail, right? In corrections. And I'm not just saying this because he's sitting here, but like he was literally, and I like to think I work pretty hard. So I'm even including myself in this. Like he was the hardest working CEO at that jail. Like, and, 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 and you know, in certain times it's like, like you don't even have to work as hard as you do, but he, he did he did more than what was expected. And so from your answer, I think, and even though I didn't know him in the military, I, 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 I can say without a doubt that he was the same way in the Marine Corps. Um, and, you know, the fact that you didn't, you weren't in the military yourself, however, you instilled that in him as his father. I think that that just goes to show that, hey, fathers, any father out there, 
um, building that character trait of a good work ethic. You know, um, a lot of times I, I heard somebody say, your kids won't always do what you say, but they'll do what you do, right? And so him seeing you work hard, he was able to apply it in his life, right? Uh, just on his own journey, right? Which was into the military and corrections. Um, so, and then also finishing well, not just finishing, because a lot of people, you know, oh yeah, I started and then I finished. But if you finish halfway, you know what I mean? If you finished, but didn't, you know, you didn't give your all, right? Um, then that's just kind of something internally that you got to deal with. So I think teaching your kids to finish well, um, I think that's a really good thing for us to highlight out of your out of your answer so no that's that's great i love that um casey mm. what character traits are you grateful for that came from your father growing a beard growing a yeah. really good yeah, right beard. a really good <laughs> beard yeah what character traits that you have <laughs> that that you have yourself are you grateful for that <clears throat> came from your father well one of the things that, that kind of comes to mind mainly is uh well, like you said, he's a he's a scientist. I'm a Marine and a guard at a jail. Mm -hmm. uh, they really can't be much farther from each other. So it's it. it there are things like the stereotype thing that you, that you see like on TV is like they'll 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 teach their kids how to how to do this and do that and do this, do do things, teach them how to do things. Uh, I've found you don't have a whole lot of time to teach them how to do things. That job usually falls more on the grandfather than the father for the, like, like usually they're retired. Mm -hmm. uh, so just, I don't want to like come out and say that, uh, that, that I'm a good person kind of a thing, but I know what a good person does because of him. Mm. Uh, I know that like, like I, I had friends in uh in high school that uh were just super like they hated religion and then Christianity they didn't like Christians or whatever and they would meet him and go well it, they're not all bad I guess okay things like that but yeah uh specific things that I, I remember seeing was I don't remember what year it was I just know that I was young and I like one of the first times I remember thinking oh he's a good person was I think we were in Dairy Queen. And uh, there was a uh, some kind of a bug that uh, he swatted, and it didn't die. It was just doing the thing where they you know, like they they kind of sting themselves to that, and he put it out of its misery. And I didn't understand like why did you do that? Like, you know, it was suffering. I wanted to make sure it didn't suffer anymore. It was a bug. And I'm like, oh, that's what you okay. That start moving towards in the right direction. There's a lesson in that. Yeah, and. There was another point where I think we were at a gas station uh, and some guy came over and I don't know if you remember this dad. Uh, he tried to sell you his Jack because he needed money for gas. It was uh, some, some tall black guy. And he was like, Hey, I'll sell you my Jack. I, I, I need money for you guys. I'll sell you this Jack. Just give you, he's, uh, just give me 20 bucks for it. He's like, I'll just give you 20 bucks. Mm. So like he, he could have had a Jack out of that. Mm -hmm. Jacks are useful. But, but then he wouldn't have had a jack. I already he wouldn't had have had a jack. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> but it just, it seems cliche to say doing the right thing, even though no one's looking, but that that's, I don't remember you showing me how to change oil or a tire specifically. I know at some point I knew how to do it. I don't know where I learned it from, but I do specifically remember knowing that if I need to, I should change someone else's oil if they can't or change their tire. Mm. So it wasn't so much how to do things. It's just why to do things. Mm. I guess that's the better way of putting it. Uh, I don't think I would have been the same person if it wasn't like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, I probably would have treated the inmates differently. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they had that phrase. Uh, it's, it's like the cliche thing. It's, it's the measure of a man is what he can do for someone who can't do anything for him. Wow. Kind of a thing. Yes. Where it's uh, an inmate may not deserve the help, but I'm going to give it to him anyway. Mm -hmm. So yeah, not how to do things, but why to do things. Let's go That's, with that. I like that. Yeah. And cut. 
I like, you know what? I wrote that. I wrote why to do things. Um, because, and, and, and when you said that, I instantly, I instantly thought back to what your dad just said, which was, and I wrote it down. He wouldn't have had a Jack. So your dad, Carol, and I was that, I don't even know if you noticed, but that was powerful for me when you said that. (laughs) Because it wasn't just about giving the guy $20 because he needed $20, right? Because you knew he probably didn't have money. He needed $20. It wasn't just about giving him the $20 because he needed you. You went a step further, right? And said, I didn't, I gave him $20, not just because he needed it, but I also didn't accept the Jack because then he wouldn't have one. Yeah. So (laughs) an important factor that to, to point out, I specifically remember thinking this dude's scamming us. Mm-hmm. I bet that Jack doesn't even work. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's a non-issue now. So exactly. Because the important part that your dad saw was this guy needs help. Or it, right. at the very least, he might need help. Yeah. Uh, if he doesn't, I'm out 20 bucks. If he does need help, he's got 20 bucks and a Jack. Right. So right. I guess it's like a, favoring the odds that not assuming that the person's a bad person yes uh but assuming that they actually might need help yep because i i i feel like i have this i don't like people i don't trust people (laughs) okay but what i don't like more than people is thinking that that person might not have been as what am i I, I, I guess I'm more worried about not helping someone that needed help than making sure that they're scamming <clears throat> me or something. Right, right, right. No, I like that. You're, you're looking, honestly, I think for me, the simplest way to understand what you just said is, hey, I'd rather see the positive out of something than assume the negative. You know yeah, what I mean? That, so that, yeah, that one, yeah. That, that, that's what I said. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I think that just on, based on what your dad said, uh, Based on what Casey said, I'm sorry, Carol, um, you know, that, that kind of sums up what you, what you're grateful for as far as uh, the character trait that you got from him. So that's, that's powerful. And I got another question for you, Casey, right? What would you say you are most thankful for when it comes to your relationship with your dad? I don't know if you remember working in the jail and doing visitation on Southside. I do. I don't remember this. I don't remember his name, but I know it happened while you were there. But this guy, he was, he was going away for a long time. Okay. This guy was not going to be getting out. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say his name. But right, right, right. I believe he was always a nine, right one, little, little, little uh, younger kid, and he had uh, a baby mama, and I remember that baby coming in with her as an infant, mm-hmm. and I remember over the years. She'd come, she'd bring the baby, she'd bring the baby, the mom bring the baby, she'd bring the baby, the mom bring the baby, mom, mom, mom. And she was no longer there, but we watched that kid grow up for like two years. Mm. And all that kid ever knew was coming to the jail to see his dad. Uh, that was actually I, that, that was actually why I always carried candy, believe it or not, was mm-hmm. for the kids in visitation. Mm-hmm. And I would slip them candy mm-hmm. because, you know, that's, that's not creepy at all. But uh, they shouldn't have to hate the place too. Mm-hmm. Right. But, uh, so what I'm getting to is his dad just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I don't have many memories in my life that don't involve him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's, it, I guess it's the first part that, like with providing Mm-hmm. And the second part being just like being there is a big deal. And especially nowadays, we're like, it, it seems like there's a lot of people that want to get rid of, what do they call it? The, the nuclear family, I guess they call that. Where like, there's, there's, the government will give you more money if you're not in a two parent family. Okay. And it seems like that is the wrong way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get, you still get tax breaks for like being in a family with kids, but from the way I see it, you get more money if one of them's not in the picture, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which I guess helps. But it kind of seems like that is a, a like, hey, do here's some more money. 
but that also kind of makes he's he's never going to be there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, the so it helps that, that they're that he was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I yeah. I have no way of measuring how much that mattered, but I know it did. Mm-hmm. So it I'll, was- I'll never know what it's like to not have to have an absentee father. But that's a good thing. Right. Right. There was a, a philosophy in the 80s and 70s that was a false one that a lot of people bought into, and it was the idea of quality time. Well, okay, you're going to work 100 hours a week, but you can spend quality time with your kids. That's a lie. There is no such thing as quality time. There is quantity time, and within the quantity time, you have the, the quality time will surprise you. So if... I mean, I, and I'll, I'll tell you, based on what Walsh was just saying, one of my regrets was uh, at one point when he was five or six, I went back to grad school and I drove to Lubbock twice a week. And I would get up at four in the morning and I would get home at six in the evening twice a week and then work full time. And so I missed a lot of stuff. And uh, looking back, that was a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. I should have been there. Now, I spent as much time as I could, but I mean, you you can't believe the lie about quality time. There is no such thing as quality time. There is quantity. You spend a lot of time with your kids. Yeah, I, I remember uh, like one of the ways that I think that I have failed where you succeeded, Dad, was uh, by this point in time, when I was 12, I, 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 I don't know how many times you took us to Six Flags in the summer and rode those mini mine cars that you couldn't fit into. <laughs> but uh i think i failed in that aspect because it with our jobs being different like van how much overtime did you and i work man i can't even tell you <laughs> too much i had that one check that i have somewhere here where it shows i have 84 hours of overtime yeah in one page again you did what you, you did what you had to do at the time and you know what it's also never too late 12 is a good time to, I mean, you got, you got some time now, spend it with, you went to his play the other day. That was amazing. Yeah. That meant a lot to him. Uh, so don't worry about the past. Worry about what you're going to do tomorrow. And you know what? That's funny. <laughs> Real quick. That's funny that you say that because a couple things. Um, first off, I'm, I think that was, I think that was, I like that interaction just now, right? Because that was a really good father son moment. Um, I just think that was a really good father some moment that I just noticed where, you know, Casey, you just kind of, you realized, oh man, I wish I had done this differently. And you're, and you were just talking about how you can't remember a time that your dad wasn't there. Right. And so like literally just now, I think he, you know, just kind of just, just proved that point too. Right. Because, you know, he's just like, like if one of your kids were, Casey, if one of your kids were to, you know, I guess be hard on themselves and, and anything, right? Like you would be there to, because of your wisdom and your experience, you would be there to say, hey, got it, but 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 I want you to look at it this way. You know what I mean? Because you don't yeah. want them to, to stay here. You want them to be here, right? Yeah. Um, so with that being said, I think that something that I just got from, from what you just said, Carol, is that, um, you know, yeah, we can't change the past. Right. And, and such as some situations as fathers, right. You have to do what you have to do. Right. Especially if you have to provide, right. Because one of the things you guys said in the beginning was providing is a part of fatherhood. It's a big part of it. And so if you're in a situation where you have to provide and what that means is you have to, uh, work a certain job that, require certain hours to make sure that your family has a roof over their head and that they're fed, right? Your kids are still going to appreciate you for that. Um, at the same time, you wish you could go back and have that time. But where you're at now is, okay, I can't control the past, right? I can look for the positives in the past. Like, hey, they were fed. They had a roof over their head. You know, I'm happy for that. And, you know, and then you focus on what you can control, which is the now, right? And so like, like you were saying, Casey, you went to your, your son's play, 
You know what I'm saying? Like you focus, nope. you focus on the now, like, okay, cool. Where am I at now? I had to work all that overtime at the jail in the past, but you know, I'm going to leave the past in the past. What can I do now? I'm going to go to his play. I'm going to support him in that way of me being there. And so yeah. um, I think that's powerful. And I think what your dad just said too, like move, like what, what can you do going forward? And I think everything that you, you are doing, going to your son's plays, and I'm sure you support your daughter in, in, in any way you can support her as well. Like, those things that you're doing now with the time that, you know, that you have now, um, they, they're priceless. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, you know, kids, I know me, like, I didn't, I didn't realize that stuff, you know, cause it was my mom right now. My mom only went to, I think two of my sporting events whenever I was in high school because she worked night shift. Right. So she mm -hmm. couldn't make it to my games. However, those two or three games that she was at, I didn't realize how important they are until now where I'm at in my life, like the fact one that she was able that she was able to go, but but also the fact that she, you know, that she made it a point to go with the little bit of opportunity that she had. You know what I mean? Like now in my life, I realize how important that is. And it means like that's near and dear to my heart. So um, no, that's great. That's that's awesome. Um, so I guess, uh, Carol, same question, right? What would you say you are more most thankful for when it comes to your relationship as Casey's father? <laughs> well, I know how to load a pistol. Uh, there you go. <laughs> you know, actually, it, it's funny that that was one of the things that you did teach. You did teach me how to shoot, just okay. not well. A rifle, <laughs> but we went to. He took me to a range one time, and he had his nine millimeter pistol. And he said, here, you load this one. I'm going to go down and do this. And he came up behind me a few minutes later. He said, dad, you're putting the bullets in backwards. <laughs> so that tells you something there. I mean, he yeah. knew. And, and for me, that was this profound moment of the son has passed the father in some things. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so what would you tell me your question? What am I thankful for with my relationship with Ross? Right. Yeah. What are you most thankful for when it comes to. Oh, that's easy. I mean. So you have them for 18 years and you sacrifice and you sweat and you work long hours and you're tired beyond belief. He talked about six flags and I can remember putting them in the car at midnight at six flags and we were four hours home and you could hear Ross would close his eyes and he'd say, I had so much fun today. Mm -hmm. And then I would get in the front seat and drive wrapping ice bags around my bad knee that had been walked on all day and trying to stay awake all the way home. So it's this period of 18 years where you're just pounding it, you know, it's, it's this constant thing. And now you can look back. <clears throat> and I remember points in time. I mean, when I saw him graduate at boot camp, um, and you could see the man he had become in that 13 weeks that he was there. <clears throat> when I've got my favorite picture in the world is when he came back from Iraq and we met him at um, Camp Lejeune. Mm -hmm. And I've got a picture. The sun was kind of going down. They'd gotten in late. And we, I mean, it's, the place is swarming with families and mm -hmm. we couldn't find him. And I, here he comes down the, the sidewalk and I got a picture of him hugging his mom. And uh, it's all worth it at that point. You know, we got him home. He did something that few people do. Mm -hmm. uh, he um, served his country and he served his country in a way that put his life at risk. Mm -hmm. And uh, just the pride that you feel at that point. Um, hearing the respect that people have for him. I went up to the, the, the jail one time. I, I brought uh, <clears throat> uh, Arby's. At the time I brought all the Arby's sandwiches. <clears throat> and he had his guys out there. Uh, that this is when I was a lieutenant, man. Okay. Yeah the riot police stuff and just to see how they respected him, how they responded to him that that's amazing and even now that he's been through some rough times and that's i mean i find it ironic that he's going through this career change at the same age that i went through one mm. uh, where you go through a, a layoff and you've got to change your career path mm -hmm. uh, it's it's really good to see how he responds to a devastating challenge mm -hmm. and basically takes it and chews it up and then goes, okay, here's what I'm going to do. He, he's, 
I, I can't see anything in life ever defeating him uh, because he's got this resiliency that comes from who he is and uh, where he's come from. I'm very proud of that. Man. Well, I don't think any of that true. I feel really defeated. No, he's, he's – <laughs> I know, you know, that's one thing that I learned about Case is his sense of humor is, is unlike any other. But oh. – <laughs> but I know, listen, I, I will say this, though, like the kind of man that Casey is, and I, I'm very perceptive. I don't talk a lot. Well, I, I try not to talk a lot. OK, um, but I don't talk a lot about the things that go on up here, um, but I'm very perceptive. And, you know, I whenever I form, I guess I don't know if an opinion is the right word, but I, I, I associate certain things with certain people just based off of what I experience with that person, what I see them do, the things I hear them say, right? And uh, everything that you just said about Casey, I can attest to because, I think attest is the right word, I can attest to because um, that's, those are the words that I would associate with him just from working with him at the jail, resiliency um you know not not being defeated like and then even you know even like i was mentioning earlier like doing more than than um what's expected and i'm sure that that right there especially all those things um contributed to the respect that his people had for him you know the the team that you met um and i think in your case, Carol, knowing, you know, the experience that you had with him coming home from Iraq, the experience that you had with uh, seeing how his people reacted to him uh, at the jail, I, I think your sense of pride, and correct me if I'm wrong, it comes from knowing that you had something to do with that. Now, you obviously, you don't take all the credit as a father, like you want, you know, hey, it's him, he's the one walking his walk and, and going through this journey. But as a father, you're like, I'm proud of the man you become. And I'm even more proud that I could be a part of you getting there. Is that, is that, is that the right way to say that? It, it's, it's pretty close. I will tell you that one of the things that I remember my dad telling me uh, 10 or 15 years ago, mm -hmm. uh, and he was talking about, he had four boys and a girl, mom and dad did. And uh, he was talking to me about how proud they were of how everybody had turned out but he said also he said you know when we had y'all there wasn't a lot of oh I mean I was talking about Dobson and focus on the family there wasn't a lot of self-help things there wasn't a lot of people out there writing other than uh, Dr. Spock he was wrong about everything uh, he said we just didn't know what we were doing and so you guys turned out the way you turned out just by the grace of God. Amen. Now, I, I agree with what he says about the grace of God, but I also know that the man he was helped me become the man I am. Mm -hmm. And um, while you're correct in that Ross has walked his walk, I mean, it's completely different. I, I mean, when we had three kids, I wanted one to be a doctor, one to be a vet, one to be a... Uh, uh, auto mechanic. Mm -hmm. And I got none of that. So, <laughs> uh, but everybody went their own way and did their own thing and did it very well. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I'm very proud of that. And again, I, I would be remiss in not mentioning that 80% of whatever Ross is now has to do with his mom. Yes. More than me. Yes. I mean, you, you should do a thing on motherhood at some point too, because uh, will. they're around <laughs> them a lot more than I was. You know, I'd come home and she'd meet me at the door and say, here, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> absolutely. No, we, and we absolutely will do like, we're, this is, we're going to expand on our, on our dialogue and definitely motherhood because that's, I mean, I wouldn't even be doing this right now if it wasn't for my mom. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. this well, is. Well, it's important, but yeah. you're correct in saying, or correct in the approach you're taking. There's a lot more good mothers out there than there are good fathers. Right. And exactly. That's why we're in the position we're in now. Yep. And going with that, uh, we were talking about a, about the mom being a lot of it. I don't know if you remember the first time Katie came to one of our family get-togethers, like Thanksgiving, Christmas. 
she was blown away because no one got the cops called on them. <laughs> she, when I told her that I had, and this is true, man, I've never seen my parents fight ever, <clears throat> not once. She didn't know how to take that. It took maybe a year or two before she was used to our family get togethers. Oh, yeah, I never saw my parents fight either. Mm, but you yeah. probably heard us fight every now and then. I, I, if I, I can think of maybe one time <laughs> where I might have, and it's because I, I got out of bed and I wasn't supposed to be out of bed. Yeah. But I never, I cannot think of it a single time where I heard y'all fight unless it was with me, <laughs> where I knew what y'all were fighting about and I could tell it was a fight. Yeah. Uh, and everyone that I've told that to, they're like, I, I, well, then what did you do all day if your parents weren't fighting? It just, it was, uh, it, 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 I didn't realize that that was a big deal until like my mid twenties. Mm. So, uh, thinking of that, 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 that was, that was probably a factor. Gotcha. No, I like that. And, and, and I guess just for everybody listening, like, Hey, parents, like, I guess if you're, you're someone who's like, okay, so I guess to, to, to further, uh, clarify on what they're saying, like, yes, parents fight. However, in y'all's case, it's important that you don't fight in front of the kids, right? I guess that's that's kind of what the message is here. Right? Yeah, it's always important to have a unified front. Yeah, I mean, I cannot imagine what family life is like when the mom and dad disagree on how to handle the kids. Because the three kids we've had, with the exception of Jared, that never caused us any problem at all. The other two caused us many, 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 many problems <laughs> that we could have never handled if we tried to do it separately, you know, if we were at odds with each other about it, it was very important that we approach them in the same way. So gotcha. Jared caught up later. So <clears throat> gotcha. Well, Hey, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, guys. So to wrap this up, right. We will start with Carol. You ready? Golden question here. Yeah. If you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? And what would your superhero name be? Well, I, I had two and I'll narrow it down. One of them was always to be able to read people's mind. Okay. Love to be able to do that. But re in reality, I would rather be the flash because okay. to be able to get everything done in milliseconds and then be done always seemed like it would be a pretty cool thing to have. Well, he so can I'd time travel. He, he huh? can go back in time. Yeah, yeah. fast. Yeah. <laughs> so, what would your superhero name be then? Well, at this point, it'd be the fast old man. <laughs> All right, I like it. Look at that fast old man. Yeah, put some creativity on it. <laughs> the fast old man. All right, Casey, your turn. If you could have any superpower, what would it be, and why? And what would your superhero name be? See, I've had this thought throughout my life. And I remember it's changed several times. Like uh, at, at one point I wanted Wolverine's claws. I don't know if I could, if, if someone had given me that choice when I was 20, I don't know what I'd be doing with them. I'd probably be like opening bottles. I don't know what I'd be doing with them. All day, just uh, clink, clink. <laughs> uh, then I'm like, oh, maybe the healing factor. That'd be nice. Uh, Cause you know, things start to hurt after a while. Mm -hmm. uh, the one that I had in mind before I was married to Katie was I like, I liked Morph's ability where he could change his face and stuff. Okay. But my wife thought of the best superpower. I could th it's, I can't think of a better one. Okay. And it was, she says she wishes she had the ability to force empathy on people. Man. Uh, but she called it a, a she, she, in, in her case, it was a device called a point of view gun. Okay. Where she wishes that she could, like if, if, if two people are having an argument, she could make them each not agree with each other, but make person A understand what person B is is thinking or a person like, and the best example I thought of it was, let's semi-controversial, let's take the abortion debate. People that are really anti-abortion, like they, they think it's all about, they, 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 oh, they just don't, they want me not to have any right. If, if you could use that on that person and they would realize if they actually believe that this clump of cells uh that is a baby is an actual person and they knew that aborting it was murder 
and didn't say anything, they'd be a crazy psychopath mm-hmm. if they just didn't care about that. Mm-hmm. So if you could transfer point of views on people, I think we'd all get along much better. Uh, yeah. So if you could just make the other person understand, not so much mind control or reading thoughts, but if I could make a person understand the other person's point of view, it probably wouldn't solve the world's problems altogether, but I bet there'd be a whole lot less of them. So, we'd be talking more and shouting less. Yes. Because yeah. <clears throat> usually when I, what I found with arguments and fights is the person just thinks the other person is just an a-hole. And that's, I found that that's rarely the case, that this person is just a bad person and wants this person to have a bad time. No, like this person has his own opinions and thoughts. And if this person can understand that, it's basically make everyone force them to play devil's advocate. You know, I like that too, because, um, and just to kind of, uh, I guess, uh, expand on the um, understanding somebody's point of view, like, it doesn't mean you always agree with that person. Like, However, yes. like, yeah, like you said, like you guys said, we would be talking more and arguing less or talking more and shouting less because, yeah, like I, I thought that was great. Um, that It would that, create more compromises. Yes, there you go. More compromises. And, and just like you guys, you guys used the, the word understanding, right? Like that's, that's powerful. Uh, and tell you what, like, I think I have a new superpower that I want. You know what I mean? After hearing that. Um, so you said, Kathy, right? We got we shout out to, uh, or Kate, Kathy. His Katie. is Kathy. Mine's Katie. Katie. Yeah. Shout out to Katie for that one, because <laughs> that that's amazing. Um, is empathizer a word? Empathize is, sympathize is I know what you're going through. Empathize right. is I can understand what you're going through. Got you. And then it's that and, verbal judo stuff, man. Come on, no, I trained no, no, you on no. it. No, no, no. My question is, if I like, if your name would be the empathizer, is that a word? Oh, like, that one. Oh, I, th- I thought you asked. Empathizer is a word. I'm like, yeah, no, 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 no. Empathizer. Um. <laughs> no, I'd have a random name that wouldn't mean anything. Like, uh, uh you can call me Carl. <laughs> be your superhero name. Carl. Uh, Lomax. No, no, Lomax. Huh? Oh. Lomax. Yeah, no kidding. No, if, if it was going to be the empathize, empathize power, I'd have to say that the negotiator. The negotiator. Okay, like it. All or, right. the, or the arbiter. Is that a better one? It's I good. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Man, well, hey, guys. Um, first off, again, uh, I'm working with my wife on behalf of my wife and I, because she's also the co-founder, right? Um, well, where is she? Well, she's taking care of our son, and we've got uh, our in- my in-laws here. So, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, we got company. But um, I, I definitely we appreciate y'all being here. We appreciate you sharing your perspective and your experiences on fatherhood. Um, and I mean, we again, as always, pray that this blesses somebody out there, right? Um, because at the end of the day, and I'll, I think I'll go back to empathy, like understanding somebody else, um, knowing that somebody else understands you, uh, especially if you're somebody that's questioning if you even want to take the journey of fatherhood, understanding that there's somebody out there that can understand, empathize with you and relate um, can help you to not feel so alone in your journey, right? And so um, that's why I want to do as many interviews as I can with as many different fathers father figures or anybody filling that fatherhood role. Um, I want to do as many of those as possible because everybody has a different experience. Everybody has a different, uh, everybody has a different perspective. Um, and, and the reason I say people fill in that fatherhood role is, I don't know if you guys caught the last interview, but it was with my mom, you know, and she, the reason I interviewed her wasn't to talk about her motherhood, um, which I will interview her for that at some point. However, it was to talk about her experience filling the fatherhood role in my life because she was forced to. And I, and one thing that we talked about in the, uh, in the interview was, you know, there were some things that she just couldn't teach me, right. As, as, as a mother, or maybe there's some things that she wanted to teach me, but she just didn't know how. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah but, but I still, but I, I also mentioned that she, there's a lot of things that I will teach my son as his father that yeah. she taught me yeah. as filling a, at the fatherhood role in my life. You know what I mean? 
Um, so with that being said, you guys being here is a big, big uh, plus, big uh, help um, for, for us and, and getting the word out and just pushing a positive perspective, a positive uh, atmosphere around fatherhood. And so um, definitely thank you guys for your time. I hope I didn't take too much of it, um, but you guys you were great. Yeah, you guys were great. Um, guys, anybody who's watching uh, this, you know, obviously, hopefully you're on our YouTube channel already. However, if you're not, YouTube are, uh, go check out our YouTube page, Ripple Effect Fatherhood. Um, we're on Instagram um, at re.fatherhood. Um, you guys can, can we post on there daily. Um, just trying to encourage uh, the positive presence of fatherhood and a positive experience of fatherhood. So um, Carol, Casey, thank you guys so much. Uh, we're definitely honored that you guys were here and we know that this interview uh, will, will bless somebody going forward. And don't forget Thank to hit you. that subscribe button, smash that like button, and hit that little bell icon in the corner to help me out with the algorithm. <laughs> there you go. That's our YouTube <laughs> shout out for the day. Make sure you guys like, share, and subscribe this uh, this video because I completely forgot to say that. So I appreciate you, Casey. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, except you can't because I don't have a Twitter. <laughs> there you go. Hey, thank you guys for being here. You guys have a blessed one. <laughs> thank you.